1: Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This thing Monday Night Raw,
0: this fight way! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. Back, folks. Here in WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, April thirtieth, two thousand and twenty. I am Graham G. S. M. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Closing out the month of April in style once again with Mr. Marso, RJ, Welcome back to the show, my friend.
1: Glad to be glad to be back, GSM.
0: <laughs> what were your big takeaways in the NFL draft last week?
1: Oh, it was great. Seeing GSM's analysis <laughs> huh? just made it for me. Just dying laughing. I loved it,
0: <clears throat> dude. I got to ask you. What the fuck is up with that Jalen Her pick? That's just that doesn't make any sense to me for the Eagles.
1: I mean, I think it makes sense. I think people are being dramatic. I mean, Carson Wentz is like their star quarterback and he just got paid a lot of money, but he's also hurt every year, so I mean I understand the pick in a sense, but I mean I think they also picked him a little too early.
0: Yeah, that was a bizarre pick to me, but uh in all seriousness though, I did enjoy the draft per your Recommendation: I did check out the first two hours of night one and some highlights and clips from the other nights. Um, it went through Sunday, correct?
1: Uh, Saturday was the last day. Oh,
0: Saturday. Okay, so at this point, they still did the draft, albeit remotely. Um, so with that happening, do they know for a certain, like for certain, when the season is going to start, or no?
1: They said it's supposed to start regular time, so that'd be September. But who knows at this point?
0: Yeah, we still have no idea. It's funny because this whole—I mean, we talked about it last week, with the whole pandemic thing happened a month and a half ago. A month and a half ago, but we still have no real idea when things will start to open up again, when we'll get actual wrestling shows again. SummerSlam's still up in the air as of right now, and even if it does happen as planned, I highly doubt they pack 10,000 people into the TD Garden as they normally would. I highly doubt it's going to be like that. Come August. I mean, I would love for that to happen, but we will soon see a lot of our plans getting messed up. I was supposed to see you multiple times in the next couple months between Dynamite and a few other things. Um, that has all been blown out of, you know, just completely uh, destroyed for right now, blown up in the air. But uh, hopefully we'll see you at Dynamite in August. If it goes on as planned, I can very severely doubt that, unfortunately. But always great to have Mr. Marceau back here on WrestleRant Radio to talk all things WWE, AEW, and etc., uh, before I get to any of that, people could check out new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday right here on nextairwrestling.net. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Radio, or Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We're all over the place. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show today. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. You can find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine for all of his rambling thoughts in the world of football, wrestling, and everything else at RJ underscore Marceau, as well as myself at WrestleRant. A lot to get to here today, Mr. Marceau. I know next week we have the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, so big prediction show coming next week. Um, It's going to be an abridged version of the show with you and myself as um, I'll be airing an interview, which I'll get to momentarily. Probably tomorrow the news will be breaking on the social medias. So Money in the Bank prediction show is next week. Before we get to Raw and all that other stuff, you're as much of an expert in the world of mixed martial arts and UFC as anyone I've ever met. So you're probably the perfect person to talk about this with. With the news breaking this past week, per Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer Radio, a very reputable source, of course, when it comes to this type of stuff, Cain Velasquez released from WWE this past week. Bit of a shocking pick, a bit of a shocking piece of news. Not so shocking when you think about that we haven't seen him on WWE TV since October's Crown Jewel pay-per-view when he got jobbed out to Brock Lesnar in literally less than two minutes. Um, He had his knee injured when he came into the company. That was reportedly why the match was so short. But there were talks at one point, as they talked about in Hashtag yesterday, of the match reportedly being revisited at WrestleMania this year with Kane and Brock. Thankfully, that was off the cards. I'm a Kane guy. I thought it was cool for them to bring him in. We talked about it six months ago. That's got to be Kane making all the memes, making all the jokes about it. Unfortunately, not working out. Mr. Marceau, what are your thoughts on Kane Velasquez being released from the wwe Uh,
1: i mean it seems like it's a clear just financial reasoning i mean going through the whole pandemic i'm not sure exactly what he was making but i'm assuming it's probably a large sum of money so i could see why they would release him. probably i don't like know if really if the company really had anything planned for him or maybe just trying to give brock his win back even though it's in a in a fake wrestling match not like a real fight but i don't know i just he he is a big name, but he just doesn't really have, like, any wrestling experience at all. He only wrestled a few matches in AAA, I believe. And, I mean, he is injured a lot. Like you said, he hurt his knee, and his basically plagued his whole... Once he beat Lesnar, that pretty much plagued the rest of his UFC career. The guy was hurt constantly, and anytime he you'd go into, like, a big fight, I feel like you'd always have to pull off for some kind of different injury. Um, so, I'm assuming his injury maybe was more serious when he came into the WWE and that's why the match was short and that's kind of why we haven't seen him since and I'm assuming he's he's an older age, he's kind of injury prone at this point, I'm sure it it just doesn't seem like financially it's really worth it, he's not like a Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey kind of star that he's going to make a lot of money for the company or bring a lot of eyes to the company, I I think there's just clearly a financial reasoning and injury reason.
0: I agree it was probably a financial thing, but do you think there was more they could have done with Cam Velasquez aside from just releasing the guy outright?
1: I mean, I just think uh, he's not polished enough that I think that they thought it was worth keeping him around. I mean, if he had, like, been training for a while and, like, was that could actually really go in the ring and they could actually build up something between him and Lesnar, maybe it would have been worth it. But, I mean, he's still pretty green. He probably makes a lot of money. And, like I said, he's just, the injury probably just not worth the investment, I feel like.
0: So, I wrote about this the other day, but I'm going to get your take on it. So, do you think other UFC fighters, people like Daniel Cormier, um, I saw Colby Covington, is that his name?
1: Colby Covington?
0: Covington. um, And a few other people. I know Chris Cyborg has been trying to get into the, not WWE, but pro wrestling on the whole for a while now. Do you think any of these people see what happened with Kane in WWE? I know he was a different case because, like you said, he was hurt. His stock really hasn't been as I mean, the Brock match happened literally 10 years ago. Uh, when, when Kane beat Brock for the yep. UFC Heavyweight Championship, it's not like they were just they just had their fight. Like it's not like it's Mark Hunt, you know what I mean? Like they just had their fight and whatever. It's been a long time. So I kinda get it. But at the same time though, do you think UFC fighters who are aspiring to join the pro wrestling business see this and think to themselves, Oh, this may not be for me. That this may not be for me after seeing what they did to Kane?
1: Um, I guess it depends on the person. I mean, I would say for Daniel Cormier, he's kind of more of like... I would say if he comes to WWE, he'd probably more of a commentator. Um, he's kind of switched that role in the UFC. I, he's still fighting, but most of the shows, he's, if he's on the show, it's because he's like, doing ringside commentary. So I think if he came to WWE, he'd be more strictly of a commentary guy. Kobe um, Covington, I mean, he's kind of like... I would say he has more star power at this point than Kane does. He's kind of like trash talker and kind of gets his name in the media just for saying really dumb stuff so i mean i could see him maybe bring some eyes to wwe but i I wouldn't say it's worth the investment for them i would say bring cormier if they could for commentary reasons but covington i'd just be like just just worry about what we have now it's not he's not gonna bring enough eyes to the company that's worth kind of the investment
0: i mean this has been a debate for a while now and i'm going back years here do you think conor mcgregor is still a good fit for wwe and do you think we might see him in the wwe ring at some point down the road
1: I mean, at some point, maybe. I just at this point, his stock's been couldn't is as low as when he debuted in the UFC. He hasn't really done anything of note lately. I mean, he did come back a couple months ago and won a fight, but I mean, his stock when he was like mega star, like Ronda Rousey star level. I mean, that was probably a year or two ago, and he's kind of cooled off since losing a couple fights. So, I mean, it, it's possible, but I feel like they missed the peak with him. At least Rousey was still somewhat note like notable. She was coming off a loss, but she still was like kind of the oar of Ronda Rousey at this point McGregor's kind of fallen off from his peak which was like I said probably a year or two ago
0: so he came back a few months ago won his fight yeah. what's the future for Conor McGregor I know this isn't wrestling related but what's going on with him I know the whole pandemic thing obviously shut down UFC shows but what's going on with uh, Conor McGregor
1: at this point I mean I, he he, I would say depending on what the company wants to do with him I I, I guess they could push him back in their title, title picture because i mean he's a bit for them it's more based on how much money you can make than actually like winning wise like winning wins and losses wise he'd probably be second or third person in line for a title shot um but since he's mcgregor and makes them a ton of money i could see them pushing him up a little bit um but currently the next show they're supposed to have i believe it's next week they're actually announced it's gonna be a show next weekend no fans and such they're doing like an interim lightweight championship and that's the weight class that he's in um so I'm assuming the winner of that would then face the champion, who's currently, he's Russian, so he lives in Russia, so he can't fight right now because of the travel ban. Um, so I'm assuming whoever wins that would then face the champion. So then it kind of Lee McGregor maybe faces the winner of that or maybe face someone else just in the interim. But at this point, who really knows since the pandemic, but I would say he's probably a fight or two away from defending for to go for a championship fight at this point.
0: Well, unfortunately, it didn't work out for Cain Velasquez in WWE with all the injuries and whatnot, but you can't talk about injured superstars without mentioning, some, um, without mentioning Samoa Joe, who was back on commentary for Raw this week, probably the best possible spot for him this week. I mean, ironically, he was injured via a commentary table when they were filming a commercial for that must-be-Mondays commercial for WWE, um, when he was put through the commentary table by the AOP. That was how he got hurt, which is so dumb. It sounds like, I mean, we talked about it a couple months ago when it happened, that it sounds like something that you would read on kayfabe news, but he actually got hurt that way. So on the front of Samoa Joe, he was back on Raw this week, behind the booth, a role that he excels in. I know you're a Joe guy. We witnessed him the, win the NXT Championship almost exactly four years ago. RJ, Lowell, memoriam auditorium, beating Finn Balor. <laughs> Amazing moment. Your shoulder's still injured, I know. Uh, what are your thoughts on Samoa Joe, back behind the booth on Raw, and do you think that his in-ring future might be in jeopardy?
1: I mean it's definitely possible he, he has been injured a ton i feel like since he got on the main roster he had that suspension as well um i think he really excels in the commentary booth i think i mean he's a lot better than jerry lawler so i mean that's always a positive um i think he brings he brings like a lot of insight like wrestling wise that which is good like you don't need stupid cracking jokes all the whole time like jerry law that just distracts you at least his like insight wrestling commentary like like gets you like thinking more about the match and like it gets you more invested, not just saying stupid jokes. Um, so I mean, I feel feel like if he's either not able to compete or he's injured, I mean, it's a great role for him. I think like you said, he thrives well in the booth, so it's definitely better than Jerry Lawler. So I can't complain at all.
0: The funny thing is that we've been trashing Jerry Lawler on commentary now for so long, and I'm not saying that we're the only ones, but I feel like it really, really took WWE and fans to notice how bad he was after he had made that dumb comment about Akira Tozawa, the ramen noodle thing, which, again, it's a dumb thing to say. Um, I don't think Jerry Lawler is racist or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. But just the commentary, just probably not the smartest thing to say in 2020 with people being how they are. I totally get it. Jim Cornette went through the same thing. They took him off commentary right away. I mean, that was probably worse what he said. Um, But his comment wasn't that much better, so thankfully he was off the commentary team this week. He was still on the show and the contract signing main event between Drew Rollins uh, for their WWE Championship match at Money in the Bank. Buddy Murphy emerged, or rather just Murphy as they're calling him now. Um, Still the disciple for Seth Rollins and taking a beating for Rollins. After Drew McIntyre stood tall once again. I thought it was a great segment. Uh, not just because McIntyre said shit either. Not just because he said Rollins was full of shit. I thought the back and forth was great. Rollins in this Monday Night Messiah character. I think is money. Uh, might as well call it Money Night Messiah. The guy is awesome. McIntyre has been rolling as WWE Champion. Doing great. In my opinion, genuine, real mic work. It, where it doesn't feel like he's reading off a script. He feels like an actual person. Um, I, I really, really like this. Of course, it's not the same without fans. But the sky is blue nothing new there um but i thought it was a really good way to close the show what were your two cents mr marcel
1: no i really enjoyed it i thought it was a good back and forth like you said i think mcintyre's done probably some of the best mic work he's had uh in his career and it's, he's been thriving as a baby face like you said i don't think he, his promos don't sound so like scripted and don't sound so woody vince mcmahon written so i mean i think the, i think he's doing a great work and like you said I'm a I think Rollins especially he like thrives in like in that leader role, like having like like Murphy as his disciple, or like 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 he had like uh, J J Security as lackeys. Yep. I think he just that role of being a leader and just having those like guys underneath him to take the blows and take all the force, and take all the attacking. I feel like that's just the role that he thrives in the most. So I think this whole Monday Night Messiah gimmick for him has re- revitalized his career a little bit. I think. It's, it's a great role for him, and I, I think he's the top heel on Raw, and I don't think he's going to beat Drew, but I think it's a good role for now, and maybe down the line they could do something with him and Murphy.
0: I feel like there's a lot of similarities on paper between Rollins and Edge. Not only the stable thing. I mean, Edge was a part of... You, you mentioned the stables that Rollins has been a part of between this one. He was a part of the JG Security of the Authority one. He was a part of the Shield, of course. Edge was with the Brood. He was with Rated RKO. He did La Familia with Vicky Guerrero. Um, winning money in the bank, being slimy heels, being great, you know, likable baby faces. There's a lot of similarities there. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we see Rollins and Edge collide in WWE? Yeah,
1: yeah I think that would be a good feud. I could see them maybe waiting for... That could be like the SummerSlam match for Rollins. I think Edge coming back around SummerSlam time, that could be a good, good uh, program for Rollins. Because assuming he doesn't be Drew, what do you do from there? Maybe... Him and Murphy, I think that might be a little too early. You could probably do that after SummerSlam um, if Rollins comes up short again. Um, But I I think that would definitely be a good feud. It's kind of putting the old school at the new school. I think they would have a good match, good chemistry, and I think it would be a fun match.
0: We haven't seen Edge. We haven't seen Randy Orton. We haven't seen Kevin Owens. We haven't even seen Becky Lynch, for the most part, on Raw since WrestleMania. Have their absences for you, RJ, been apparent? Have you really felt their absence on the show, or has it really not mattered much to you?
1: I feel like Becky definitely has, because she was just such a big part of Raw going into WrestleMania, and kind of one of the bigger parts of Raw throughout the whole year, so her not being there is kind of, not bothered me, but I definitely have noticed that. Randy and Edge, I would say, hasn't really bothered me as much, it just, I mean, Edge wasn't really that big a part of Raw, and Randy was doing some good work before, um, before WrestleMania, but I feel like the, like, Zelina Vega heel factions kind of... Them alone's kind of just like distracted me that Orin's not on TV, but I definitely say Becky not being on the show is kind of invisible for me at least.
0: Now I know that's probably because of the pandemic and these people likely just want to stay home, but I think it's great though. They don't have any plans for these people in the immediate future. Now we don't know when Edge will be back. I assume he will be brought back around SummerSlam time, regardless of whether it's in Boston or at the PC, whatever. He'll probably be back around that point. Um, but for Orton, for Owens. I mean, Owens, you could probably do something with him. He just beat Rollins at WrestleMania. But Becky, like, she has no real opponent for the pay-per-view because it's all about the women's money-in-the-bank ladder match. So I think it's a very good idea if you don't have any plans for these people. They don't have a match on the show. Like, what I, what I like about Raw personally, I'm not going to say Raw is the greatest television show of all time, but I think, me anyway, me personally, I enjoyed this week's show, not as much as they have other episodes of the show in recent weeks, but I feel like it's more focused... They have a lot less filler, and it's all about the upcoming pay-per-view. Now, that wasn't really the case before, before WrestleMania. I feel like they're finally starting to find their rhythm in terms of not showing full-length pay-per-view matches anymore. You know, They did show a part, a segment of Becky Lynch's 24 special from last year, which I thought was cool if she's not going to be on the show. But other than that, though, they're not replaying old content. They're not showing 100 replays. They're doing what they can to have matches, even without an audience. And obviously, it's noticeable. But at this point, to me, I feel like it's just normal to not have a crowd there. And I feel like they're making the most of a bad situation by making everything matter. I mean, I can't say the same for SmackDown. I think SmackDown's still a dull, terrible show. Raw, on the other hand, I feel like with the roster they have to work with, everything serves a purpose. NXT, the same can be said for NXT as well. But Raw specifically, which has been up and down for years now, I've been enjoying this period of Raw going into Money in the Bank where everything seems to serve a purpose and there's no real filler on the show, you know.
1: Yeah, I, the way that you said it was perfect. They don't if they don't need you for the upcoming show, it's not like they're just like throwing um, throat They're just showing them just to show them. I mean, Becky not being on the show alone, it's just. Not that people are missing her, but it's just like at least she's not on the show every week, and they're just putting her out there just to put her on the show. Like this could give her some time to recharge the batteries a little bit since they're not working as much. No live events, and she can just get back in the zone once Money in the Bank's over. I'm assuming Shana. I would say Shana should probably win. So if she wins, and obviously you have Becky come back the night after, but that gives her what a pretty much a full month off of Raw. Give her, give her some more. Time at home and just get she can be the top of her game when she gets back.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it helps refresh the character too. I don't think Becky Lynch was overexposed by any means, but you know it's going to mean more when she comes back. Same with Kevin Owens, Randy Edge. I think it's I think it's smart. It's better than having these people out there if they're not going to be a part of the pay per view wrestling random matches against God knows who. You know, so I like that aspect of it. I'm um, also on Raw this week. We were talking about the best possible role for Samoa Joe. I know you're not a big fan of his, but I like. MVP being on the show as much as he has. He hosted the VIP Lounge. He's been doing commentary for main event. He appears to be the new manager for Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. So Ricochet and Cedric Alexander knocked off Ever uh, Everrise from NXT in a good little match. MVP emerges afterward on the big screen to tell Ricochet and Alexander that next week they're facing his new I don't think he used the word clients. But he said this team that he's now managing, whatever, that being Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. Now, I will say this, that I've been begging for MVP as a manager now for a while. I don't like the idea of him managing Thorne and Vink. And I like Shane Thorne. The tag team is completely random. It's like TM61 light. Like, not, not even, like, they're not even as good as TM61. Um, but I do like Shane Thorne. I don't think they're the right fit for MVP in terms of, like, a client for him or clients. Um, I think Bobby Lashley would be better for that role, personally. But again, you're not a big MVP guy, so i want to get your two cents on this, RJ. What are your thoughts on MVP now, apparently acting as a manager on Raw?
1: I mean, I think it's a good idea. Like you said, I think he'd fit more with Bobby Lashley, or even with Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. These two, With Thorne and Vink, I mean, they're not really established stars, and it's kind of random. I, I just don't think they really fit with him that much, but, I mean, we can see what happens. But, I don't know. I would rather see him with Ricochet or Alexander or Bobby Lashley. He just doesn't fit with Vink and... Uh, shaped one, I
0: feel like. On the subject of the tag team division, forgot to mention this, next week for the Raw tag team titles, the Street Profits defend against the Viking Raiders, a team they have never beaten on Raw in NXT ever. So, for next week, who's your pick, RG? Street Profits or Viking Raiders?
1: It's a tough one. Um,
0: and also, are you surprised they're not doing it at the pay-per-view?
1: I would say a little bit, but I mean, they also want to get stuff on Raw that means something, so... I could see them just having on Raw just to have like a match you can at least advertise for um, and not just doing another rematch. Like, oh, Money in the Bank rematch, which kind of means nothing normally. I actually like it being on Raw instead of the pay-per-view. Give, maybe give it more time and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it's too soon to take the Street Profits the titles off the Street Profits, but I also feel like they're very high on the Viking Raiders. Um, I'll say Street Profits, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Viking Raiders won.
0: If this match is happening on the Raw before the pay-per-view, are there any more matches you think will be added to the pay-per-view? I know we already have the two Money in the Bank ladder matches. We have Bailey and Tamina, and then the two top title matches, Rollins and McIntyre, and then uh, Strowman and Wyatt. Are there any other matches from either brand you think will be added to the show for next weekend?
1: I mean, it's possible they could do, like, a, like I said, they could do, like I feel like on the pre-show maybe if they're going to do one, they could do like the, a tag team match rematch, but... Um, besides that, I feel like the car that they have is not, I wouldn't say solid, but they have enough matches that they can fill out the car, especially with the two money in the bank matches, which will probably eat up a lot of time. You don't really need any more matches at this point.
0: We were supposed to get Asuka, Shayna Baszler, and... Uh, God, Nia Jax! I, com- I completely blanked on her for a second. That's how forgettable she is. Nia Jax, Asuka, and Shayna Baszler in a triple threat on Raw this week didn't happen as advertised. They just fought with each other for a couple minutes. And I think I was watching the show with Alexis, and she was like, "Oh, did the match happen?" I'm like, "No, they they didn't. They didn't even do the match." And she was like, "Oh, that's dumb." It was just really weird. I know they're all heels. They probably shouldn't have even aver- uh, shouldn't even have advertised the match to begin with. But it was just so fucking random. So. Um, were you mad the match did not happen as advertised, R.J. Or what, what? What was going through your head while watching this segment, so to speak?
1: I expected some kind of disqualification. I didn't expect like a clean victory for anyone. I don't know. I just thought it looked not that he made her look weak. Just I, don't know, I think I think Shayna's been like booked very well, so it just kind of seemed silly the way that I mean she didn't like get well. She didn't get. She did kind of get laid out with the ladder and stuff. It just I don't know. it Just. Like you said, with all three heels, you really don't don't normally book a match anyways with all three heels, but I guess they just wanted like a little brawl with the women, but I don't know. It just didn't really come across well. I didn't really enjoy that.
0: Everyone's favorite WWE champion Jinder Mahal returned on Raw this week. I already spoke my piece on the Modern Day Maharaja on Hashtag AskGSM on Wednesday and how I personally hated the title reign three years ago and how people kind of... Um, glorify it more than it needs to in terms of like the matches he had and the promos. They were all fucking terrible. I don't care what anyone says. I will go to my grave with that opinion that Jinder Mahal was a terrible WWE champion. Any, at any rate, though, he did come back on Raw this week knocking off Akira Tozawa. What do you think the ceiling is for Jinder Mahal going forward, is he going to get back to the main event scene? Will he be a mid-carder, or is he destined to return to the 24-7 championship picture after what we saw last year before he got hurt the first time?
1: Um, I mean, if I was going to put money on it, I would say they're building him up to feed him to Drew But as like a transitional feud, but it's possible he could just go back to the mid-card, but I think at this point they're going to build him up to feed him for Drew for one of these transitional pay-per-views just to get a feud in and then go on to something that's more important for SummerSlam. That's what I would say, at least.
0: Now, I'm very afraid because, listen... He's not going to
1: win. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just,
0: well, obviously, he's not going to win, but this is what I'm... I'm very afraid not just because of that. So, Drew and Ginder, as I've said before, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but I do think it works as an interim feud. Maybe on, like, a B-level pay-per-view, maybe. Definitely not SummerSlam. Maybe for an episode of Raw. Like, if Andrade was going to get fed to Drew on Raw then Jinder should be no different. What scares me, though, is that the next thing I want to discuss is Apollo Cruz. So he beats Andrade in the six-minute tag team match on Raw this week where Mysterio, uh, Aleister Black, and Cruz knocked off the Zelina Vega stable, who often loses more than they win for whatever reason. They then did Andrade and Cruz on Raw the same night. Again, for what reason, I don't know. So that's why I feel like this whole thing is a work. Andrade, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Andrade, Apollo Cruz is now out of the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Talking about ginder, now going into this, it makes me worried, it worries me, that we are getting a gauntlet match on Raw this upcoming week. WWE has already announced to determine his replacement in the match, Apollo Crews, that is. Do you think there's a good chance we might see Ginder run the gauntlet and win the gauntlet, enter the Money in the Bank ladder match, win it, and then go into to face Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship?
1: No, I don't think he'll win. I think one of the people, one of the guys from Zelena's faction will make it in. I think that makes sense at least. I mean, they could, I mean, Murphy, I mean, Jinder could win. Some people I've seen even bring up Murphy possibly replacing him. But I, I, the way the story's put, I, I would assume either Andrade or one of those guys would be in it because he took him out. So in that case, maybe he would get the spot. But uh, if I was putting money on it, I would say either Garza, Theory or Andrade would get the spot over Jinder, but who knows?
0: Well, I thought it was weird that they had Theory attempt to qualify, but not Andrade, and definitely not Garza, which was odd. I mean, I kind of get Andrade because he's the current United States champion. A little bit, I understand. Uh, Definitely not Garza, though. I didn't get that. So do you think we might see... uh, Of the three, who would you most want to see in the ladder match? For me, it's Garza.
1: I would say Garza as well. Because at least him in it, he might have some kind of chance to win. When, whenever, whenever there's a champion in it, I don't think they've ever won. So if Andrade's in it, you know he's not going to win, so it's kind of just a waste of a spot.
0: Well, the only I mean, it has happened once. I will say that The Miz actually won the Money in the Bank briefcase as United States champion, but that was a decade ago. I don't think Andrade's going to win, especially after getting fed Drew in five minutes two weeks ago, which was a good match while it lasted, but I don't think they see Andrade as a top-tier performer, at least not right now. I mean, the guy loses to everybody, so I'm not really surprised. It took Apollo getting hurt in order for him to win on Monday. So I'm not going to put much stock in him winning that gauntlet. But uh, Garza, I think, would be cool. We're big Garza, guys. I think he has been overshadowed a little bit since the... Uh, Honestly, I like this Lena Vega stable, but the issue is is that Garza... I'm sorry, Austin Theory is the new fresh face, whatever. And then Andrade is the United States champion, kind of resulting in Garza getting lost in the shuffle. So I do think we could use a Garza money-in-the-bank ladder match match Outing to really, uh, you know, remind people how good he actually is. So, what well, we transitioned from that into NXT from Wednesday, which that overall was one of their strongest shows on recent memory, probably even over the Takeover Worthy show, the Takeover Level show they did a couple of weeks ago with uh, Gargano and Ciampa and the women's ladder match. I really like this show. So we had two more interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship tournament matches with Isaiah Swerve, Scott knocking off El Ijo, Del Fantasma, and then Drake Maverick beating Tony Nese. Uh Two good matches. I'm not mad about Fantasma losing his second match in just because, I mean, it's a tournament. He had to probably lose at some point, and Scott needed the win. And then Drake Maverick winning was a cool moment. Didn't really surprise me too, too much just because, I mean, it's fucking Tony Nice we're talking about here. Who I like. I like Tony Nice, But I think... If Maverick lost here, then he would be done in the tournament. So I think there's a there's a better story to be told here with Maverick. We talked all about Maverick last week. He still has reportedly not been rehired, which would make no sense if he is, because it's a big fuck you to everyone else. That's a whole other story. But what were your thoughts in this week's interim uh, NXT Cruiseway Championship tournament matches, RJ? I
1: thought they were good, like you said. I wasn't upset that Fantasma won. uh has got need the win. Uh, or that he that he lost, so- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not upset that he lost because, like I said, Stork Scott needed the win uh, to kind of keep the tournament somewhat kind of like interesting. If he lost again, then I believe him and Nice would be owing two, and kind of at that point, who cares? Um, but I think they're both good matches. They keep doing like those like kidnap esque angles with Phantasma, so interesting to see where that goes. I think that could be pretty interesting depending on how that unfolds. And Drake Maverick winning, like you said, beating Tony Nice, not the. Biggest accomplishment of all time, but you had to have him win here to keep at least some interest in him possibly winning the tournament still going on. Um, but both good little matches, and uh, like I said, I thought the show overall was good as well.
0: We forgot to mention last week that Phantasma was almost kidnapped by the Ninja Warriors, whatever the hell's going on there with the Masked Men, the Luchadors. Um, he avoided getting kidnapped the same way that Joaquin Wilde did, and uh, Raul Mendoza was kidnapped a while ago. Phantasma avoided that, he was almost kidnapped again on this show, Um, this time the Luchadores came into the arena, almost took him over the barricade, he fought him off again, does this confirm to you that the guy, I mean it was already reported a while ago, even before he debuted, that he would be behind this little stable going on here and he's just kind of faking it, whatever, do you think that confirms these suspicions with these attacks being avoided and him being avoided getting kidnapped and whatnot?
1: Yeah, I, 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 think it. I think so. It is kind of weird though. Like, why would you fake people trying to kidnap you to try to, kind of like take like smear the trail away from you? Like, you're changing. You're having yourself get attacked or a fake attacked, I guess. And then that's gonna like throw you off the scent that you're the one that's behind the group. It's kind of it's kind of like a weird kind of booking. Um, but it'd be interesting. I we we've seen him from Lucha Underground. He has a ton of t- t- talent and potential. So I'm excited for his run in NXT. I just I guess the setup can kind of be confusing, like, why would you have yourself get attacked if you're the one behind it? It's kind of like Bully Ray being attacked by Aces and name just to be found out that he was the guy behind it.
0: <laughs> that was so dumb, though, dude. That was like, that was all new levels of stupidity. When you go back and it wasn't like this where he was like, oh, kind of fighting him off, Whatever. He was literally feuding with them for, like, six months. He was having matches against the guys. He was beating... his them.
1: ass kicked for six months. He got That's his
0: ass way ca- way. Like, they were beating the fuck out of this guy. And then he was like, oh, I'm the leader. Like, dude, come on. Like... I know that they tried to explain, I remember that whole thing, I remember they tried to explain it with like the video package, they did, they dedicated an entire episode of Impact to being like, hey, this is why, you know, I, this is how we did it, but it was still fucking dumb, like, listen, just admit that it was stupid, and they should have just did it differently from the beginning, you know?
1: Yeah, i, I die when he goes, <laughs> I, had to take a few, I had to take a few bumps for the greater good, like, dude, you literally got your ass kicked for six months, what do you mean, a few bumps?
0: Exactly. A few bumps, he got put through tables, he got the shit kicked out of him for what, six months? For what reason? Why not just reveal yourself from the get go? It made no sense. <laughs> it's
1: like ass backwards booking.
0: It was such ass backwards booking. And yeah, he ended up winning the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. That's when they did the big reveal. But you could have done that as the leader of the group. That's what I don't understand. That whole thing that that's just L O L TNA, like that that's that's just great <laughs> TNA booking right there. I don't know what to tell you. You know, did you know Hernandez was in the main event of this week's show?
1: I did not know Supermax was on the main event of the show. I don't really watch TNA anymore, but I love me some Supermax. Hey,
0: Supermax was in the main event. He he resurfaced because Moose has been doing this. So what happened to kind of elaborate, because I texted you this, but to kind of elaborate, Moose has been doing this thing for the last month or two where he's been bringing back TNA guys like Suicide and um, Kid Cash, people like that, beating the shit out of them. Um, Chase Stevens I think was another one he's from a very long time ago and he's like oh I'm the king of TNA whatever because they were supposed to do a TNA throwback show over Mania weekend that got cancelled and I guess they want to continue that storyline so Hernandez came out on Tuesday and said I'm the one TNA guy that you never beat so they had a match with Michael Elgin, Moose won and, My- and Moose brought out the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, the old TNA World Heavyweight title belt and um, he's not an official champion but that's how we got the belt though so that, that's what happened
1: did Did Hernandez throw
0: any give anyone the border toss? No, did not nearly kill anyone this time, uh, unfortunately. But you can go back and watch in all of its glory the border toss to Doug Williams that almost fucking killed the guy and landed right on his neck. So if you want to watch that, you can.
1: <laughs> I might actually
0: throw it up on the computer right now to get a good laugh on. Dude, I like Hernandez, but that was so he's so reckless with that move. I can't believe they never banned that move.
1: It's, he was
0: just so green, but I, I, I love Hernandez. That move was, I love that move alone. But yeah, I mean, I love Hernandez. I love the whole faction, though. Um, LAX, like, doo-doo-doo. Like, the gunshots right in the beginning was great. And then that pop, Mr. Marceau. Oh, yeah. The,
1: the whistling in the beginning of his own theme? Oh, my God. <laughs> pop, voice.
0: Classic theme. Also in NXT this week, we got a sneak peek of uh the all-new heel Candice LeRae knocking off Casey Cadenzaro. Um, good little match here. I like heel Candace. I, I know Alexis isn't too fond of her new look, the purple hair and whatever, and the lipstick, the whole new emo look and whatever, but she loves the theme song. I like the theme song. I liked her old theme, but... Obviously, can't go on, you can't go on with a Babyface theme song, so I like the change here. She looked more aggressive. She just curbs on the shit out of Casey Catanzaro. I mean, that was crazy, and I think Casey, to her credit, was the perfect person to put in the ring with Candice. We haven't seen a lot of Casey lately, but she goes in there and sells very well. She's another one who has a lot of potential if they want to focus on her at some point. Hopefully, she's not the new Diana Perazzo. but I thought this was good, and I like Johnny Gargano as her mouthpiece on the outside, maybe they'll do something similar when he's in action next week with Dominic Dijakovic. Um I, I like this new heel pairing a lot of the Garganos, the 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 wrestlings, uh Johnny and Candace. I really like this. So uh do you think this has any potential RJ, the heel combo of Johnny and Candace after what we saw last week and this week from the two?
1: Yeah, I think it was pretty, honestly a very seamless transition for Candace. The new hair, the new look, the poison pixie. I kinda like that like new little like gimmick on her and like I said I, th- I, I like the look the theme was good um her new kind of style was good as well I feel like it was kind of like a Io like seamless transition from face to heel um I think they both pulled it off well I think Candace did it well I thought Casey what well, like you said was the perfect person to put her in there she's such a like bubbly baby face that's easy for her if you're, you're gonna get pissed at Candice for beating the shit out of her so um love the curb stop. What. Brutal as shit, even though it probably didn't hurt. But it looked really good, and I'm interested to see where they go here. Hopefully she doesn't get fed the Charlotte, but who knows?
0: Let's transition right into that Charlotte Flair knocking of Mia Yim in a rematch from six years ago on NXT. Um, To offer a bit of a correction here, Mia Yim was not the person that Charlotte beat in her debut match. They did have a match in NXT, as they've showed clips of. It wasn't Charlotte's debut match. That's what she's been saying. That's not accurate. The funny thing about that is that when they faced off in NXT six years ago, Charlotte, by that point, was already, like, the NXT Women's Champion. So, like, the timeline is off. Um, Her debut opponent was actually Bailey. Putting that aside, though, I like the match. It was a good match. Charlotte won, as she should have next week. She faces Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Love the interaction between the two this week on NXT. And, like, Io Shirai isn't standing there screaming in Japanese the same way that Asuka is, like, all obnoxiously. Like, that's so fucking annoying, and I just don't get it. Io Shirai, though, Scream Star, really like the confrontation. Good match for Mia and Charlotte. RJ, I understand you have a lot to say, though, about Charlotte, uh, you know, basically dominating the NXT women's division. Not not quite yet, but that's what you see happening going forward.
1: Yeah, I fear for the division. Uh, we've discussed this multiple times on the phone via text. I just, I think the division at this point is probably the strongest it's ever been, especially with the women they have. They have Nia, and they have Io, they have, they have Kanda, Rhea, um... I mean, Chelsea Green's not the greatest, but the Mia Yim's a good hand. Like they have like five or six really good women, and if even if they called women for NXT UK with Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray, like that's eight eight really good women. So like, the fact that Charlotte's champion, and I fear that she's just gonna blow through the division because she's like a tweener. She's not really heel or face, or she can work both. I just fear she's gonna blow through the whole division. Maybe Rhea comes back and beats her, but then what does that do with the division if she just ran through everyone else? It's just kind of a bunch of losers at that point. I hope Eo wins, because I think that was the person that probably would probably have taken the title off Rhea if she kept the championship. I mean, is like one of the top women wrestlers in the world, and she's amazing as a, as a heel or a babyface, and I think this heel run's been great for her. Um, I hope she wins. I don't see it happening. I see Charlotte just blowing right through her, but... Fingers crossed, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not betting my uh, whole life savings on it.
0: I don't know if we've discussed this before, but do you think, because I know everything before Mania was taped, do you think they had Io Shirai win that ladder match with the idea in mind that Rhea would still be champion? I know Mauro did the commentary and he said, oh, she goes on to face Charlotte, blah, blah, blah. I think the commentary was done after WrestleMania to obviously not make it sound outdated. But do you think they recorded that match with the idea like, oh, obviously Rhea's gonna win, and we could build Eo and Rhea because uh, that's what made sense to me three months ago.
1: It does, but then like, why didn't they do it then? If they thought she was gonna face Sh- Rhea, then why? Like, well, uh, like I think NXT had some kind of hand in if Rhea was, or that match of Rhea and Charlotte. So if they thought Charlotte was gonna win. They should have had someone else win. I mean, you don't have her just blow through Eo in two weeks. I just. To me, it makes no sense, and if, okay, if Rhea had that visa issue, fine, and she can't keep the championship on her, fine, Have Charlotte win, but then she has to drop it right away then. She doesn't need to be on NXT, it just, that's just one thing that's just real, she does not need to be on the show, they have plenty of women that deserve the championship, you don't need to bring Charlotte down to pump up her numbers of how many championships she won, yeah, she might have good matches, but wait till they come up to the main roster, and then maybe one of them beats her, or maybe like... It's just like, welcome to the big leagues, rookie, and they just lose to Charlotte. But just blown through all of them in developmental, there's none of them any good.
0: I think it's a good little experiment for now. I mean, if we can go back to WrestleMania, I would keep the belt on Rhea. I've said that since day one. I just think it's dumb to have the belt on Charlotte. Um, Rhea, we have not seen since. So there might be credence to the report that she had some sort of visa issue. I don't follow her on social media too closely, so I believe she still is at home, according to Alexis. Shout out to Alexis, who told me that the other day, that she is home or wherever with her boyfriend, so she's still in the States. That doesn't mean that this whole visa thing is a bunch of bullshit. I mean, she never denied the visa thing. She just said she was still in the country. So, that's a different story. She may not be able to work until this whole thing blows over. Who knows? In the meantime, though, we have Charlotte as the champion. She be- she knocked off Mia this week. She beat Caden Carter a few weeks ago on Raw or NXT or whatever. Next week, facing Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Do you? I mean, is that your prediction? Charlotte Flair retains, LOL?
1: I mean, that's what I'm going with. I hope Io wins, but I- I'm going with Charlotte wins, LOL.
0: I-, I think it's, again, like I said, if we want to make the most of it to look at the bright side here, I think it's a cool little experiment for now, because it does give us some fresh matchups. I I still think it's dumb at the end of the day, but I do want to look at the bright side here, the upside of it. I mean, if they don't drag it on for too long, if they keep the belt on Charlotte for six months, and like we said before we went on the air here, she they have her beating Tegan and Dakota. Like, if they have her beating the secondary players in NXT, like a Casey or a Mia or a Caden Carter, I'm okay with that. But if it's the Tegans and the Dakotas and the Eos and um, who else is in NXT that's like a top, top star? Candice. Candace, who's starting to get some real shine for the first time in forever. Um, I mean, Chelsea not really is at that level yet. I mean, she's a heel anyway. That wouldn't really make much sense. I mean, I guess so is Io, but a, a Charlotte-Chelsea match. I think, they, I, I think they've already done before. <laughs> I think they did that on Raw a couple of months ago, so I really have no desire to see that anyway. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big fan of it, so maybe they could build up... Tegan to beat her, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm not a big fan of that idea, uh, of Charlotte continuing to reign on as champion. Tegan beating her would be great. EO beating her as early as Wednesday would be great. But like I said to you before, um, if they're doing two title matches next week, my money, if anything, would be on Velveteen Dream beating Adam Cole to become the NXT champion and not EO becoming the NXT Women's Champion. So on that note, big, 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 big show scheduled for next week with Shirai and Flair for the NXT Women's Title. We have Cole and Dream for the NXT Championship. Gianni Gargano versus Dominic Dijakovic, I believe for the first time ever um, in NXT. And then Karrion Cross and Scarlett Bardot finally making their on-air appearance, their first real in-person appearance on the show. Uh, with Dream and Cole, have you heard about the whole Dream controversy, RJ? If so, what are your thoughts on it?
1: I mean, I've heard about it from just kind of the dirt sheets and what I saw you talk about. I mean, at this point I'm not really putting any credence in it. Clearly they don't think it's that big of an issue. They're going to go with him being the champion. I mean, some, I guess stuff could come out more and down the line, but at this point they're still keeping him in the match. Maybe he'll lose and they kind of just ran him off TV from there, but I mean, if it was that serious, I don't even think you'd go I don't think you'd go along with the match. At least I mean, I wouldn't at least. So I don't know if they're just waiting it out and he's just going to lose to Cole and just kind of blow it over from there, but I think if it was that serious, you just wouldn't have the match. I mean, they're such a PR-heavy company. If there's any kind of credence to what's going on, I just don't see them having a match with him and then having him win in it.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I'm actually surprised they're doing the match this soon. Maybe they really want to load up next week's show. I mean, I, I just don't understand why next week. I, I guess AEW is going to be live, so maybe that's why. Um, and That's the only real reason I can think of. It's a random May show. It's not like Dynamite's having a pay-per-view like Double or Nothing isn't until for another month or so. Uh, It's just strange timing to be loading up the show. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to it. And next day we'll be watching with my full attention um, next Wednesday, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, just kind of bizarre, kind of bizarre. So I don't think Dream wins the championship just yet. I mean, it's very possible. Do you think we see Dexter Loomis appear and maybe cause some sort of... I mean, I hate the fucking non-finishes, but do you think that's a possibility to prolong the feud to just ensure that Dream is in the clear that he's okay and that they don't put the championship on a fucking pedophile?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> a big fan of Dexter Loomis. Uh, the less of him, the better, I would say. Um, I just I just would have just a standard match and just have Cole beat him, but I could see them. He, Like I said, he's kind of lingering around, so I could see them having maybe, like you said, have him cost them or kind of have some kind of impact in the match, but the less of him, the better, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I'm actually, I mean, I hate... I hate to even say this, but it's straight. If you would think this whole thing, if you said to me, oh, yeah, this person might be talking underage girls about blah, 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 from a purely character standpoint, the first, if if you didn't tell me who it was, it'd be like, oh, Dexter Loomis. Like, obviously that would make sense (laughs) given his, like, character. I mean, I'm sure that's obviously that's, that's not how he's like in real life, but you would think the roles would be reversed in this situation. But no, it's Velveteen Dream. I am of the mindset that he's. Innocent. I know there's a lot of evidence there against them, and I'm not denying that. We really have no idea. It's been a week now, so I'm surprised we really haven't heard more about this since Friday. Um, It's just very bizarre. Very, very weird. I'm surprised WWE is going ahead with the, or NXT, whatever, is going ahead with the Velveteen Dream coal match as early as next week. Even if they don't do the match, I'm still surprised they're advertising it at all. But uh, anyway, I guess we'll soon see what happens with that. Uh, Real quickly, before we go any further here, a bit of breaking news that I just saw on my Twitter timeline, released by the WWE, I'm going to give you uh, three guesses, RJ, who do you think just got released from WWE?
1: Jesus Christ, you son, are they good or bad?
0: I mean, it's subjective, but it's not like a Cain Velasquez. Um... I don't think you'll guess it just because they haven't been on TV in a while, but I mean it's it's someone you'll be like, Okay, I'm not surprised. It, it sucks to see anyone have their to see anyone lose their job, but it really is not all that surprising.
1: I'm trying to think. Honestly I've fucking no idea, Jason.
0: Curtis Axel. Oh, uh, oh well. I
1: was I was literally gonna say Bo Dallas. I was literally about to say Bo yeah. Dallas. Curtis Axel. Just, yeah, that sucks. But like you said, he hasn't been on T V in Ages. Ages. So the, Bo Dallas is next then, right?
0: So What people are saying on Twitter right now is that this might be the next of another wave. Because if you can, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it it seems like, I don't know. People were saying a couple weeks ago when all those releases happened that they were like, oh, there's no SmackDown stars in here. There might have been one, maybe one. Uh, I don't really remember. It was a lot of Raw people and obviously NXT people. I find it very hard to believe they would release Raw and NXT people, but not SmackDown people. You know, It's one thing if it's like, oh, they do the main roster, and then they do developmental another time. But they happen all on the same day. And again, the, the releases just keep coming. We heard about King Velasquez the other day. They let go of, I heard, uh, Gerald Briscoe is among the furloughs that they let go and might be brought back at some point. Granted, he's an agent. But we just keep getting news about more and more releases as time goes on here, and it's been two weeks. But yeah, Curtis Axel has been released from WWE. Um, not too surprising. People were saying weeks ago when all the releases happened. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, for I'll just tell you straight up, I was shocked that neither member of the B-team, if not the entire tag team, was a part of those releases. Ryder and Hawkins have been on TV more than the B-team have been. So I was kind of surprised that they were let like, go, oh, but not the B-team. And I, I like Bo Dallas, I like Curtis Axel. But they have done absolutely nothing in this company for many years now. I know they were the World Tag Team Champion for a cup of coffee a couple of years ago. Beyond that, Axel is a former Intercontinental Champion. That was seven years ago, dude. Um, I do think they had he had potential at that point. I thought he was getting over quite nicely, and he did kind of come from nothing. He was buried as as Michael McGillicuddy, one of the dumbest names you can give anyone. Um, he was kind of labeled as a loser even at that point. But they, you know, they put a lot of effort into making him. A star to a certain extent with Paul Heyman. He won the championship. They kind of built him up. And then they had him lose, and they had him lose, and they had him lose. And then he never really recovered after. The, the right baxel thing was a bust. Um, do you think they dropped the ball, with Curtis Axel? I, I just saw someone say, oh, they really dropped the ball here. Like, okay, he's not the second coming of Methuselah here. He's not the second coming of The Rock. Like, let's let's get it straight. Um, but do you think there was any ever any point where they could have uh, could have pushed Curtis Axel as a serious single star?
1: Um, I mean, I think the whole push putting him with Heyman was kind of like their kind of attempt to push him. I just don't think it ever went anywhere because they just eventually... Not they, I just don't really didn't really see anything big in the guy anyways. Like, I think he's a good wrestler, just like star power-wise. I, I don't seem really going anywhere. So maybe the company kind of just realized he wasn't going to be a star, and at that point just kind of gave up on him. Because they did... He beat Triple... I'm pretty sure, like, he beat Triple H. and he like did, yeah. Like, like, yeah, so they gave him a little push, but then... I just feel like the crowd just never got behind him or, like, booed him or cheered him. They just kind of were indifferent. So I think once the once they kind of find that the crowd doesn't care, they just kind of give up on you at that point.
0: Uh, two more things from NXT before we move on to Dynamite, the Newly Bros show. Very polarizing segment. Some people love this. Some people hated this. I enjoyed it. Not a big Byron Saxon fan at all. He just comes across as way too goofy for my taste. I know that's exactly what this was supposed to be. But just anything that he's involved in, it's just an automatic turnoff for me. He's just so obnoxious in all the wrong ways. Um, But I like the segment. Otherwise, though, we saw Imperium's uh, Martel Bartel and Fabian Eichner attack Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, likely setting up a future NXT tag team title match between the two teams, which I like. I like Imperium a lot. If we're not going to get grizzled young vets on the show anytime soon due to the whole travel ban and whatever then it makes sense to build them up as the next tag team threat to the tag team titles. Uh, what were your thoughts on the newly bro show RJ? And do you like Imperium stepping into the role as the new number one contenders?
1: Yeah, I thought the show was entertaining. I mean, I don't like Byron Saxon too much. Like you said, he's just very, like, cringeworthy and just anything with him. Usually it's just like turn the TV off or turn the volume down. Um, but I think it was a good little segment and I really do enjoy Imperium. Um, I think they're really good wrestlers. Um, being with Walters kind of helped them get a kind of character and some kind of following so I've enjoyed them and like you said if they can't have certain people on the show due to the COVID-19 situation I think they would be the perfect team to step up next for the championship.
0: Yeah I'm looking forward to it they're a very good team so I don't know if they win the tag team titles from uh, Riddle and Thatcher who's not really an official champion but it's an idea. And then speaking of championships, before we close off the NXT review here, Keith Lee knocking off Damian Priest to successfully retain the NXT North American Championship. I thought it was a very good match. I will say that these Haas battles that we see right now in NXT with Lee, Dijakovic, Damian Priest, they're all great matches, but I feel like they really suffer from not having a crowd to really like, oh my God, this is awesome. We're like, holy shit, that was crazy. Like We don't really have that, unfortunately. Um, But I thought it was a good match, though. We talked about it last week. Any new thoughts on, first of all, the match itself, and then anyone else you think that could step up to face Lee next for that championship?
1: I thought the match was really good. I'm not a big fan of Damian Priest. I've probably told people that a million times. But I thought it was a really good match. I thought they worked well together. Like the finish, when we brought in the nightstick and Lee caught it, and him finished, that was a good little uh, sequence there. Uh, When it comes to... Lee, who's next? I just You brought up Paul Stray face and Cole next, or maybe if Cole wins you do title for title with Lee Lee versus Adam Cole I just don't really know who else you'd have Lee face There's not really other big heels at this point in NXT that he hasn't already faced or beaten already, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, I would like to see him and Cole, I think that'd be a good little feud maybe because I'll get that as the SummerSlam feud, that weekend feud and then if Lee wins both titles and you have Undisputed or go up to Ron SmackDown, hopefully there's a crowd by then, because don't call those guys up until there's a crowd, because they just won't be the same. Um, you call them up in front of nobody. So maybe that's what they do, just maybe have Cole face someone else in the interim, then do him and Lee at the takeover show for SummerSlam, call Undisputed Era up, and then from there figure out what you do with Lee next.
0: Yeah, I like Velveteen Dream, but I feel like... I don't know, I feel like without a crowd, it's just not the right move to make to put the championship on him. I wouldn't complain, but I feel like Lee, even without a crowd, I think would be a better move than putting the belt on Velveteen Dream. I mean, Velveteen Dream, when you really think about it, dude, has been down in that NXT now for three years. That's a long time. I know Sami Zayn, or not Zayn, Zayn was there for a long time too. Johnny Gargano's been there for like five, but that's a different story. They could have been called up, they just didn't want to, whatever. Uh, Dream, I mean, probably should have been up there by now. Uh, I mean, obviously, it depends on what the the nature of the situation that he's currently dealing with is. But uh, I would rather... I like that idea a lot more of, of title for title as opposed to Dream just beating Cole. Maybe that's why they're doing the match on NXT TV just to get the match over with. Cole wins and then have Dream move on elsewhere. I don't know. Uh, maybe he feuds with Dexter Loomis. I'm not sure. I mean, that could be an interesting feud if they have Loomis go heel, whatever. But I think that's more... I don't know. If they don't do Lee... I mean, I, I think Cole in... Cole and Dream is fine. Lee and Cole would be better. Um, you could also do, as we talked about last week, Lee versus Johnny Gargano. You could do Keith Lee versus... Um, what was the other one? Karrion Cross is another one. So they have some options. He kind of has decimated most of the mid-card in NXT between Cameron Grimes. He's beaten Killian Dane before. He's beaten Dijakovic, Damian Priest a million times. So it's time to move on. But uh, I-, I do think a Cole-Lee feud could work if done properly. Uh, one last thing, I forgot to mention this. What were your thoughts on Mar, Ronaldo, and Beth Phoenix being back on the call for NXT this week?
1: It was great. I honestly, at first, I was like, wait, have they, haven't they? have they been coming to the whole time? But I forgot that it was Byron and Tom Phillips. So great to hear them back. Um, way better than Tom Phillips and uh, Byron Saxon. But definitely <laughs> glad to hear back. Hope Nigel back soon.
0: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. If they could do this with Morrow and Beth, and I guess they recorded their lines remotely. I'm not Obviously, I don't think they did it together. They just spliced in the different lines. I'm not sure how they did it and made it sound so good. Um, I don't know how they couldn't do it with Nigel. Maybe that would just be too much. I don't know. But I, I thought they did a good job. So, from Dynamite real quick, we really there really isn't a lot to discuss. Um, they had Cody and Darby face off in the opener, with Cody advancing over Darby Allen in the AEW TNT Championship Tournament, and then Lance Archer knocked out Dustin Rhodes in the main event to advance to the finals as well. So, it's official at double or nothing for the inaugural AEW TNT Championship. It's going to be Cody versus Lance Archer. Early pick, RJ, who wins? Oh! Uh...
1: Um, it's tough when I, uh, this is not easy GSM. Um, I, I don't know, I feel like Cody's going to win. I think Archer should win, but I'm going to
0: go with Cody. I'm going to, yeah, the thing is, I'm going to say Archer, but the thing is, is that Cody, he doesn't lose a lot, but he has lost on the last two pay-per-views. I just don't see him losing again. That's the thing, because he lost to Chris Jericho, at yep. the Full Gear show. And then he lost to MJF a few months ago Revolution. So losing again, not that he can't lose or that he needs to win, but I just don't see it happening. I'm going to say Archer for now, but it could go either way. I guess it depends on what we see in the coming weeks on Dynamite. Um, Of the two matches this week on Wednesday, what do you think was the better match between Archer and Rhodes or Archer and Dustin, excuse me, and then Cody and uh, Darby Allen? I like Cody and Darby better. Um... Hated the finish, though.
1: I didn't love the finish. I don't know it's it just like
0: you weren't the only one by the way you weren't the only one who felt the way I saw other people saying the same thing I liked it but you weren't alone in feeling that it was not it just, done well
1: I don't know how to describe it it just seems like so he hits him with his finisher clean and then all of a sudden Cody just kind of like rolls him over and pins him like I just it'd be one thing if like maybe hit the finisher and then like when he was landing like Cody like had a chair, and, like, he hit his head in the chair, and Cody, like, he, like, just kind of rolled him over that, but, like, can't even move clean, I just don't understand how Cody could just then just roll, like, slide him over and pin him without him even just kicking out, I don't know, just, for me, it just seems silly, it just, it's like if someone hit a frog splash, and then just somehow just got, like, rolled over and just, like, let them pin, I don't know, it's just the, the whole, like, way the transition just, I don't know, it just didn't look good to me at all, I just, I'm like wait, what? Like, it just was more of shocking of, like, wait, how do you not kick out you just hit him with this finisher? Mm-hmm. But no, like, they like said, no, like, shenanigans. It's not like you hit him with a chair or, like, had, like, a sneaky roll-up and, like, Darby was, like, trying to kick out. Like, it looked like he was, like, knocked out and Cody just slid him over somehow. I don't know. Just the whole kind of visual just bothered me. But I thought the match itself was better. And then Dustin and Lance Archer, it was a fine match. I thought the turnbuckle being exposed and him hitting with it was kind of the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, you, I agree. You've been told for Years, if you expose a turnbuckle and someone hit someone with it's a DQ, but they just like let it go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're supposed to make like Dustin look good because he's like not giving up and like they kind of like had that, that towel scenario that they could have thrown in the towel, but I don't know that just kind of was dumb if you ask me. But both were good matches, but I would say Cody's gonna beat him at double or nothing.
0: We had the latest installment of the Bubbly Bunch with the entire inner circle and a number of cameos from Lou Ferrigno, the Hulk. They had Jay and Silent Bob on there, Vicky Guerrero, among others. Um, did you? Enjoy, I mean, I I know who a lot of these people are because almost all of them have appeared on Talk Is Jericho before. So they showed a few comedians who I knew. A lot of people, the masses probably won't know. I thought they were very cool cameos. Um, any thoughts on the Bubbly Bunch from Wednesday?
1: Yeah, let's just say I switched to NXT when it came
0: on. <laughs> oh no! Oh no. That yeah, I think that was during the time that the Eosha, that, that you texted me about the Io thing.
1: Yeah, I saw it come on, I literally flipped it back to day. I don't know, it just doesn't do much for me.
0: Understandable. Uh, what were your, I know, real quickly, uh, do you or do you like overall, do, I'm sorry, do you like or do you not like Chris Jericho's commentary? I know you had some reservations, you didn't like it, you thought it was annoying at certain points. Overall, though, do you like it or do you just think it's just not a good idea?
1: Just depending on how he does, like I said, for some reason during the Wardlow match, he just was like screaming and just saying random things. And just, like, I'm just, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, this is kind of annoying. And then my fiancé, Molly, was like, who's talking? It's really annoying. (laughs) And I'm like, Jericho. So then I, like, then I just, like, kind of, like, was focusing more on him talking than the actual match. he just kept saying, like, weird things about Wardlow and just, like, stupid things. It was, like, Jerry Lawler-esque stuff. And I'm like, this is just annoying. Mm -hmm. And then, like, later in the match, later in the other matches, I didn't really recognize as much. But in that match alone, I don't know if it was just that match. And he was just, like going balls out for Wardlow because he's just like, he's so big and like saying like things like that. Maybe that just like got my attention. He just kept saying it. So I'm like, this is just annoying. But just that match alone, he just felt like he was like more screamy and like whiny than normal.
0: Wardlow did beat Musa on the show. But before that, we did find out that MJF will be back next week. He has been fully recovered. The strongest nail that his doctor has ever seen, we were told. But he also nicked his neck a little bit while he was shaving. So... He's been out hurt for this week, but he will be back next week. How excited are you to see MJ back in Dynamite next week, RJ?
1: If he shows up, I'm expecting another vignette that he can't make the show again, but it'll <laughs> be nice to him to come back. Um, I think Wardlow works better as his heavy than just kind of like a singles wrestler. I don't know. Just him by himself doesn't really do a ton for me. So if anything, I'll help Wardlow a little bit more. I think the pairing with them's great. Don't really love Wardlow by himself at this point, but... Uh, if he shows up, I'd be excited, but I feel another vignette of him having some horrific injuries going to happen again, and uh, he won't be able to make it.
0: The rest of the show saw Sean Spears knock knockoff. Uh, he beat Baron Black. We saw Brody Lee beat Marco Stunt, and then Best Friends beat Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian in a random no-disqualification tag team match. I thought it was a good match, but the stipulation was incredibly random, though. Yeah,
1: definitely a random match. Um I mean, the best friends, they've been, like, the stars of these uh, no-fan shows. They're on every show, for Christ's sakes. Um, love the best friends. Just, like you said, random random kind of match stipulation. And, like, I like Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Not a big fan of Jimmy Havoc. Their teaming's kind of strange. Don't really understand why they're kind of like a tandem. Jericho said last week they're friends. So, I guess that's why. Um, just a strange pairing. I think, if anything, kind of brings Ford and. Save me down a little bit. I think they're a good little act, and I, I like kind of like the super bad gimmick that they got going for them, but it just seems kind of random. Um, but it was a good match, like you said, definitely a good match. Just, just very random with a stipulation, but not a huge Jimmy Havoc fan, so that kind of brought it down a little bit, too.
0: I would say the best part of the entire show, though, among everything, as good as some of the matches were, and I like the bubbly bunch and everything else, the best part of the show had to have been you had to have seen a dude, the Britt Baker promo. She's really been coming into her own, I think, as a heel. The dentist office thing, they had Rebel in there, which that was funny. Of course, you know Rebel from uh, TNA as she was a part of the Menagerie the Menagerie years ago. She's appeared in NXT recently, or in, in the recent years. She's fucking terrible, but I thought in this segment, she I thought she was very good. Um, this was awesome, though. I thought this whole thing was fin- uh, just fantastic.
1: Yeah, definitely a good segment. It just like, gives you, for the fans and the reason I hate Britt Baker. Um, I think, like you said, it's definitely come off well as a feel. I think, I think she was... Pretty much destined to be the face of the division until the fans turned on her, and I, I think she's done a really good work as a as a heel. It's kind of made me care about it a little bit more. I feel like as a face, just like the whole doctor stuff, kind of is just like—it's uh, more of like I feel like it's like more of a heely thing. It's like kind of like annoying, like oh, I'm a doctor and I'm like a dentist and like she says big words and just like I don't—it's know. It's a very heely thing. This—it's like a very heely gimmick, I would say. So her going going heel kind of works, and she kind of works well as a heel. I feel like she can kind of play like that bitchy character, so. I, I enjoyed the segment. It was I thought it was really funny. Like you said, Rebel is trash, but I thought it was
0: funny anyways. Yeah, no, definitely. I really enjoyed the segment. And uh, final question before we ride off into the sunset here, with Double or Nothing fast approaching. Well, next week on Dynamite, we have a number of matches already announced. MJF will be back, hopefully. We have Cody versus Joey Janela, which is incredibly random, but it is what it is. Uh, John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian, and then a Kenny Omega and broken Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, Les Sex Gods, as they call themselves, street fight match. Um, all on tap for next week. Very good stuff. Dynamite and NXT next week should be equally entertaining. Very much looking forward to both shows. Um, but bottom line, though, with Double or Nothing fast approaching, we only know Cody versus Lance Archer set. We only know that's that we we know that's the only match set so far for the pay per view for the AEW TNT title. We don't know who Moxley's facing. I don't even know if the World Tag Team Championships will be defended because uh, Adam Page isn't there right now. We don't even know if the Women's Championship will be defended. Nyla Rose has been gone for a while now. Would you pay fifty dollars for a double or nothing pay per view as of right now? No. I
1: want to. I want to pay fifty dollars for any pay per view at this point. Once WWE went to ten dollars a month, it's just kind of, for me at least, just makes me realize they all need to pay fifty dollars for a show. Um, but def with one match advertised, no way. I mean, that's kind of silly. Um, I mean, I mean, saying that we like booked a whole trip to Vegas and we really had no idea what was going on, but we uh, we knew at some point it was going to be a big deal. It's the first show they ran. It, we, it was worth the investment at that point. We really didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but buying a show, I, I definitely wouldn't. At this point, spend $50 on it, and especially with only one match being advertised, I definitely want to spend $50. I,
0: I was, I was going to say, what did you do for the other shows, but then I forgot I lent you my free Bleacher Report account <laughs> to watch them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, I, I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for that. It's too much.
0: No, I wouldn't either. Of course, I wouldn't either at this point, especially in an empty arena with no... I mean, obviously they're going to announce more matches, but it feels like the show is going to be so thrown together, and that's not their fault. But, like, people want to complain about, like, oh, you know, they, they should do tape shows. Why are they doing live? Like, they kind of have to do some live shows sometimes. I, I don't know. I just don't get it, but... One of
1: the things, like, why would you... When's the show supposed to be? May, what's
0: it, May... 23rd, so in three weeks from this coming weekend.
1: I mean, if if the other guys, like, like you said, like the Young Bucks and Hangman and Nine Rose, if they can, like, come back, you could, like, book a, little sh- a nice little show, but it just seems like it's just one of those shows that they had to be in just kind of a bunch of random... It, it probably com- remotes so a bunch of random matches. Mm-hmm. Like, when like when we went to Double or Nothing, only, like, Jericho and uh, Omega had, like, any kind of real worth to it. Because um, it was, like, a number one contenders match, I believe, or... Right? right?
0: Yeah, right. it ended up being... Well, the winner ended up advancing to the number one contender spot, yeah.
1: So at least, like, that had, like, some kind of worth to it. And it gave you, like... But every other match was just a random match, just to just to have a good match. And that was when the company was first starting off. So I feel like that's kind of like the same vibe they're going for. Like they'll just put a lot of good matches together, but that doesn't really do much for like the future.
0: Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm not sure. I guess they could always put together a good show in the next three weeks. But dude, they have three. <laughs> you know, they have three weeks to put together the show. Three episodes of Dynamite. That's just not enough time. Um. You know, Revolution they had matches set months in advance. So I'm not sure. I guess we'll we'll find out. And I, obviously, I know the current circumstances aren't great, but uh, I, if that was Maine, I didn't have to, if I didn't have, if I didn't write for Bleach Report, I certainly would not be paying 50 bucks for this pay per view, at least as of right now. And uh, that's going to do it, dude. We hit the hour mark within, you know, relative ease, as we always do. It feels like I talked to you for 10 minutes, and we kind of rush right past that hour mark every single week. Uh, Talking Raw, NXT, AEW, and everything else in between. I'm really hoping there's not more releases after I hung up the phone with you. I already checked uh, as you were talking right there just to make sure. But I hope this isn't another day where we get like 10 releases and then we completely miss our opportunity to talk about all of them. But if we do, we'll be able to break them down next week right here on the show with our Money in the Bank predictions. So until next time, RJ, uh, any closing thoughts as we ride off into the sunset here?
1: Nothing yet. I mean, hopefully no one else loses their job. No one else see anyone lose their job, but I mean, if it does, we'll be talking about it next week. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Don't want to say we benefit. No one benefits at all, but uh, we'll give all of our thoughts on that next week if there are more names and breaking on everything else in the world of wrestling next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. RJ, as always, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RG underscore Marceau. It's been a pleasure, brother. I'll talk to you next week.
1: Sounds good, GSM.
0: As for me, folks, you can find me on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. You can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, not only on nextairwrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. All your support is greatly appreciated. So as I said at the start of the show, in addition to RJ and our, you know, our RJ and mine, uh, RJ and I, my, whatever, uh, Money in the Bank predictions next week right here on the show, I'm also very likely, unless something changes at the last minute, airing another exclusive interview right here on the show for our first episode in the month of May. Not going to say who it is quite yet. The announcement will be breaking probably tomorrow. The article's got to go up first uh, before I can air the audio, and the article should be up tomorrow, if not on Saturday. So once that's up, I can officially announce who will be joining me at the beginning of WrestleRant Radio next Thursday for another exclusive interview. We had Jim Ross on, the illustrious good old JR, on the show a few weeks ago. We're going to be joined by another very notable name next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. Until then, guys, have an awesome rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. I'll catch your ass in the month of May and down the road.